ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Berg. Uh, we are kicking it into high gear here on the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Mike Randall here with you solo. My esteemed partner, Scott Burke, and I have traded places. He has gone down the shore. I am back refreshed and replenished with so much to talk to you about, so much going on in the world of fantasy football. I am going to take you here from start to finish through our four quarters. My partner and I have been texting. We've been arguing. We've been going back and forth. You've even seen us on Twitter, which is fantastic. And it's nice to actually have someone on the pod who will be objective about Pittsburgh for once. You got a full fantasy football podcast here for you, and it's going to be totally objective. And that is a special moment. Can't wait. Very excited here. As you're listening to this, we will have started our Listener League Dynasty Startup on Monday, July 23rd. So as you're listening, we will be in the midst of drafting the startup. Scott did a great job as commissioner coordinating the league. We have a bunch of our listeners in as well. And believe it or not, he does this thing where he puts on the video of a randomized website where he randomizes the order. And sure enough, wouldn't you know it, I have the second overall pick today in the Dynasty startup. So as you're listening to this, I probably will have made my pick already. Now it is a full point PPR. It's very interesting. It is a full point PPR. It is only four points per passing touchdown. Very interesting stuff here. So we have to see what's going to happen. I'm not going to tip my hand. You know, I love Zeke Elliott. He could go first. Absolutely could. And it's a dynasty startup, but it's an interesting situation with you have four flexes. So you could have two running backs. You could have two wide receivers. Could be a whole variety of things. So it's a little bit different. Scotty likes to challenge us. He did a good job. So we'll be drafting this and I'll be able to give you an update later in the week on what's going on right there. So very exciting stuff. Here comes the whistle. We're going to go through the first quarter news and notes. And there is a myriad of news and notes. So let's get right to it. As always, our news and notes come from Roto World, the great website there with Evan Silva and his whole crew. They update all the news and, and just go through it. So we pick and choose and I'm going to throw some stuff at you today. First up, Ravens running back Kenneth Dixon avoided the active PUP list to begin training camp, which means he is cleared to practice on day one of camp. Now, listen, if you have not been following me on Twitter, not been following me on Twitter, please do so at Randall Rant. Follow the pod at PUT Blitz and my partner at SCOT557. But on my Twitter handle, you've seen I have been hosting some of the hashtag RV32 team preview series for Rotoviz, a fantastic site that I'm working with Colm Kelly on, who's fantastic at Overtime Ireland on Twitter. And I did a preview of the Cincinnati Bengals, but I also did a preview of the Baltimore Ravens with Luke Jones of WNST.net. And he stressed how the team is fully behind Kenneth Dixon. After the injuries last year, the torn meniscus, the suspensions, drugs, the whole thing, they still want Dixon to pop. They are not a Javorius Allen team. He's sort of a placeholder. So the PPR back in a Ravens offense that is going to throw the ball a ton because they always do is very, very valuable. Now, you can be dismissive and say, who cares about Kenneth Dixon and I'm not drafting him. That's fine. There are always satellite backs, passing down backs who succeed from late in the draft. Your Alvin Kamara's last year as a rookie, Chris Thompson of Washington, those sort of players. So Kenneth Dixon is basically free. You're in a PPR format. 
you're in a deep league, take a look at him because they certainly want him to pop. And once he pops, he's going to go right off the waiver wire. So maybe you get in early, you hold him for a couple of games, and you see how he's going to do. Next up, ah, this is just beautiful. NFL Network Ian Rappaport reported that the Steelers offered Le'Veon Bell a five-year, $70 million contract prior to the deadline, which he in turn rejected. So let's think about this, folks. A running back who's going to turn 27 years old turned down a contract that would pay him $14 million a year. And the highest paid running back this year is Devonta Freeman of the Atlanta Falcons at 8.25. So 5.75 more per year. And he turned it down. Now, he's going to say it's not guaranteed money and this and that. Le'Veon, let me tell you something, my man. You're not worth it. I don't care if you catch 90 balls. I don't care if you catch 120 passes. It doesn't matter. The NFL has changed. You are replaceable. Did you see the running backs that were drafted this year? Did you see Saquon Barkley? Did you see Ronald Jones? Did you see Darius Geis? Did you see Sony Michelle drafted by the Patriots in the first round? Did you see Rashad Penny? Did you see all of those running backs carry on Johnson? Sure, maybe they can't get a player as nifty as you in space. But I have to tell you, you're not worth the money. Him rejecting this contract is fantastic for the Steelers. Pittsburgh fans, listen, please. You measure your successes by Super Bowls. You don't measure by division titles. You've had so much success in your illustrious history that you have the privilege of measuring it by titles. If you want to win a championship and get past the Patriots who own you, own you, you need to shore up your defense. So you had Ben talking about retiring. Now Le'Veon's actually going to miss training camp. This is priceless. This is absolutely priceless. I can't wait for Scott to come back and try to tell me how it's not a big deal that he's missing training camp because he did it last year and had a great year. So let me guess. For years, upon years, they've talked about training camp, the structure, practice, how we have to monitor this and that. And now it's basically irrelevant because Mr. Slow behind the line, great receiver, doesn't get the ball at the goal line, is going to hold out. Holding out of training camp, folks, is not good. It's like going into a test and getting 100 when you didn't study and saying, oh, I just never have to study. It's idiotic. I can assure you I will have no exposure to Le'Veon Bell. I don't want Le'Veon Bell this year. If he gets through the year, it's a miracle. There's a new offensive coordinator. It makes no sense. Good for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You offered them a lot of money. You offered them a lot of money, but he turned it down. Hopefully he's not with them next year because they don't need him. They need an improved defense. And I cannot wait till he goes to a team with a worse offensive line. And the biggest thing you hear every single night from the announcer is, hand off the bell, loss of two. Oh, that felt so good. And I wasn't interrupted either. Oh, this is great. Next up, Larry Fitzgerald wouldn't rule out playing beyond this season. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a legend. 34 years old. Contract runs out at the end of this year. He'll see how they do. If he thinks Rosen's pretty good and he thinks they have a chance at making a Super Bowl run, he'll come back. What a performer. What a great player. Love to see him play as much as possible. And yet again, he's undervalued in fantasy drafts this year. 
Lions wide receiver Golden Tate said a lot of positive things about Kenny Galladay, thinking he can be dominant. Quote, he's a wide receiver one kind of guy. Galladay was a little bit injured last year, came back, soft tissue problems, but he is going to make an impact this year. Stafford has been great. He's going to throw the ball a lot in Jim Bob Cooter's offense. I think he's taking away from Marvin Jones. Golden Tate is the wide receiver 21 in PPR leagues. Marvin Jones, wide receiver 26. Kenny Galladay, wide receiver 56. And it is not out of the realm of possibility that Kenny Galladay could outperform all of those wide receivers and be the top guy. He's definitely worth a flyer in all formats. Saints' Cameron Meredith hopes to be cleared for training camp. He wants to come back. I think Cameron Meredith is an outstanding pickup. If he is healthy, he is going to pop big time. He's going to work next to Mike Thomas. He's going to be Super efficient on the most efficient offense in football. Love Cameron Meredith. Hope he can come back and be ready to go for week one. The Rams, folks, signed Brandon Cooks to a five-year, $80 million extension through 2023. This is very simple to analyze. Brandon Cooks is worth a lot more in real football than he is in fantasy football. They had Sammy Watkins last year. They used him as a decoy. He'd fly down the field. Sometimes they'd hit him. Sometimes they wouldn't. He'd get a couple touchdowns, but not a lot of receptions. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup are the guys who are the focus of this offense. Brandon Cooks is going to pop. He's going to have a couple games where he catches 150 yards and two touchdowns, and all the Cooks truthers are going to beat their chest about how great he is. And then he's going to have a couple games where he's 30 receiving yards. And I don't want any part of that. I have no exposure to Brandon Cooks either. I want players who are going to be somewhat consistent. I know wide receivers by their nature are not always consistent. But Brandon Cooks, who's been feast or famine with Tom Brady, who's been feast or famine with Drew Brees, is now going to the offense where he's certainly not the number one option. Todd Gurley is. And I can make an argument in PPR formats, he's not even going to be the second or third option in the receiving game behind Woods and Cup. No thank you, Brandon Cooks. Great in real football, not good in fantasy football. Wide receiver 23, no thank you. One of my late-round tight ends, I put out a tweet about this. Ricky Seals-Jones was arrested and charged with assault, disorderly conduct, and criminal trespassing in Arizona when they wouldn't let the guy use a restroom. He had to go to the bathroom. Let him use the restroom. They said it's only available to guests. Things escalated. Very frustrating. It's a minor incident. I still like him as a late round tight end, but hopefully the personal conduct policy. I mean, the guy was not under the influence. He had to use the restroom. I think we've all been through that. I had a situation like that at the Hall of Fame once in Cooperstown for baseball, but we'll get into that some other podcast. ESPN's Mike Reese says that Jordan Matthews is a lock to make the Patriots, and ESPN Boston said that Malcolm Mitchell for the Patriots is on the roster bubble. Look, Jordan Matthews is a massive value. There is going to be value in that Patriots passing game. You know they're going to throw the ball a lot. You know my thoughts on Rex Burkhead. And without Julian Edelman there, I think Jordan Matthews is a huge, huge buy. He's a lock to make the team, and right now you can get him at the end of round 13. Seriously, his ADP is 153.7. So keep that report in mind. If your drafts are coming up soon, take a flyer on him because once he starts catching touchdowns and you start hearing positive reports, you are not going to be able to get Jordan Matthews. I love it. And another wide receiver I love late round. Randall Cobb is no longer sporting a walking boot. Yes, let's hit the music. I love Randall Cobb. I will go to the death for Randall Cobb. 
He's locked in as their number two wide receiver behind Devontae Adams. You talked about, you heard about Scott talking about Devontae Adams. I'm not sure if I'm with him on that. that Devontae Adams is going to have a bad year this year, even though only last year only averaged like 66 yards per game, but that was not with Aaron Rodgers. But a Randall Cobb is locked in. I'm very excited about that. He's a fantastic value. Right now, he's going in the eighth round. His ADP is 86.1. Love Randall Cobb. If he's healthy, he's going to be fantastic. It's a contract year. Why wouldn't you like the guy? Just because he burned him doesn't mean he can't pop this year. Don't have recency bias. Believe in Randall Cobb. You know that I do. Joe Mixon reporting he slimmed down to 218 pounds, which is 12 pounds lighter than last year. He's clearly trying to find this three-down back Le'Veon Bell type of role, and I think he's got a chance for it. They upgrade the offensive line this year. I think Geo's going to be a part of it, and I talked to Jay Morrison also on the Cincinnati Bengals preview. He talked about the importance of Giovanni Bernard, but I think Joe Mixon is a three-down back. I think his receiving skills are so underrated, no one's talking about them because they assume that Bernard's going to get all of them, and that's a mistake. I love Joe Mixon. I get him in the second and third turn in a lot of drafts, and I'll be more than happy to scoop him up again. I think he's one of the few three down backs in football that are available. According to ESPN, Jamison Hensley, Brashad Perryman is in a is in a battle to make the Ravens week one roster. It's a shame, Brashad Perryman. That's why when you do your dynasty rookie drafts, be very careful of those first round receivers. It's about landing spot. For example, a Michael Gallup is a guy who could certainly make a much bigger impact than a Calvin Ridley. It's possible this year. It's not nuts, even though Calvin Ridley was picked two rounds ahead of Michael Gallup. It's about landing spot. Perriman has never popped. He had that one long run a couple of years ago, and then through the injuries just hasn't been part of it there with Sneed, Crabtree, and John Brown. Looks like Brashad Perriman may not even be on the roster. Mike Jarecki of ArizonaCardinals.com considers Chad Williams, Bryce Butler, and J.J. Nelson to be next in line behind Fitzgerald. Does anybody see anything about Christian Kirk? I do not, which again tells you that the coaching staff – the humans that are involved in making these decisions do not always operate in a statistical model fantasy mindset that we do. I like Christian Kirk. He's going to have to pop in the preseason to pass those wide receivers, Chad Williams, Bryce Butler coming over from Dallas, J.J. Nelson, Feast or Famine. I think Kirk will get there eventually, but at the beginning of the year, I don't know if Kirk is somebody you want to pick up. You may want to wait for the waiver wire. Jets wide receiver coach Carl Durrell expects Robbie Anderson to explode and become a more complete player this offseason. I choose to ignore this information. We don't know if Robbie Anderson is even going to be suspended or not. So I think we got to pump the brakes on that. If you want to try him and take a flyer, that's fine. You got Terrell Pryor there. You got Quincy Anunwa coming back. I'm not sure if we're positive, whoever the quarterback's going to be, that Robbie Anderson is going to explode. He exploded last year. The defenses will adjust. And of course, we're waiting to hear about the suspensions. So that little tidbit, I'm going to ignore. Deshaun Watson expected to be a full go for Texans training camp. That's fantastic news because Deshaun Watson is explosive. He had a great five-game run last year, starting five, six-game run. So it's great to see him back in full. I still think he's being massively overdrafted in the top three among quarterbacks. However, it's good to have him back. NFL suspended Jets wide receiver Ardarius Stewart for two games for violating the league's PED policy. He certainly will be a non-factor in that receiving game. It's already crowded. There's not a lot of great quarterback play there. And you're now suspended. Forget it. Andrew Cromer of the Minneapolis Star Tribune expects Kyle Rudolph to play a major role in offensive coordinator John Filippo's offense this season. There was also a quote out there from Kirk Cousins that talked about in OTAs how great a target Kyle Rudolph is. It's like throwing into a mattress. Look at the trends. 
Cousins has always gone to his tight end, whether it's been Vernon Davis when Jordan Reed was hurt, even Niles Paul for a little bit. So certainly Cousins likes to target his tight ends. Rudolph had eight TDs last year, finished second to Jimmy Graham in that category and had 57 receptions. Don't forget, two years ago in 2016, he had 83 receptions. So Rudolph is certainly a guy that you may want to target. His PPR value now, he's going in the sixth round. He's a tight end seven behind Evan Ingram, behind Greg Olson, who doesn't get a lot of touchdowns, and right ahead of Delaney Walker. So he is a player that I definitely want to target in many different formats. Marlon Mack has been cleared for the start of training camp. This is a big deal because the running back behind Andrew Luck is going to have a very good season. Joseph Adai had a very good season. Frank Gore was able to have solid seasons in Indianapolis. And certainly Marlon Mack, if he's the guy who's going to get the goal line touches with Robert Turbin being suspended now for four games for PEDs, again, I don't think we trust rookies that easily. Not when you have Mack there. Mack is probably going to get first crack at this. Naheem Hines is sort of a satellite back. And Jordan Wilkins, I'm not sure if they're going to trust him on first and second down work. So Mack could have a chance, and it looks like he is healthy. And uh, Colts GM Chris Ballard also said that Andrew Luck is good to go for the start of the training camp, which is great, which means all of the Colts weapons have been massively, massively underrated in drafts and ADP. Packers news, Aaron Nagler expects Jimmy Graham to get the majority of snaps on the outside this season. That is big news, and it's big news because, you know, I've been talking a little bit about Geronimo Allison, but if you look at his metrics profile, it's not great. He's not super fast. He's not a tremendous athlete. If Cobb is healthy and Devontae Adams is there, Jimmy Graham being on the outside is great. He's, he's, he's going to have Mercedes Lewis and Lance Kendricks block inside, which is great news. You put him on the outside, give him 16 games with Aaron Rodgers, He's going to be incredible. Uh, Chargers GM Tom Telesco is open to the possibility of re-signing Antonio Gates. I'm not sure if Gates is going to come back. They're going to have to convince him that he can go for a a championship. If he does come back, I see him being a red zone target only, but he's certainly a late value. And if you wait on tight end, he's certainly a guy who could be top five among tight ends in in touchdowns, certainly because he has that connection. I still think Virgil Green's going to get a lot of run, though, and I think he's going to be Gates, if he comes back to the Chargers, more of a standard play than a PPR play because he's not getting 80 receptions. That's not happening. But he certainly could get eight touchdowns. That's for darn sure. So he could be back. So there's your news and notes for quarter number one. All right. For quarter number two, what I want to do is talk about value. It's about getting the best value. Getting the best value, whether you're looking for a car, looking for a refrigerator, getting the best value the most for your money. And what I thought I would do is go through each of the first 10 rounds and looking at fantasyfootballcalculator.com, I'm going to assume I'm in a 12-team league. So I'm going to look at round one, picks one through 12, and tell you which one of those players by ADP is currently offering the best value. Sometimes that could be the obvious play. Sometimes it may not be. So we're going to go through the first 10 rounds. So round one is picks one through 12. Round two would be ADP picks 13 through 24. And which player by each of those ADPs is giving you the best value. And I thought it was an interesting exercise because we are headed out of best ball season and into redraft and seasonal leagues. So now these ADPs, wherever you get your draft picks, sometimes you get it earlier, sometimes you get the night before, you have to have an idea of who you're targeting. The year that I won in 2015, it was my third fantasy draft in about a week and a half. And by practicing it and doing mocks and knowing the value... I picked in the eighth spot and I was able to nab 
Antonio Brown and Julio Jones on the wraparound. And the picks took like five seconds. So by doing this exercise, you'll know exactly who you're targeting and who you see there when you know there's a great value and that clock is running in redraft formats, which can be as little as 60 seconds. So let's take a look. Your first 12 picks here in Fantasy Football Calculator, and I'm not going to go through them all, but I'll do it for the first round. Now we're talking PPR formats here, so I'm not going to go through them every time, but I'll go through them here. PPR formats, point per reception. First 12 picks are Gurley, Bell, David Johnson, Elliott, Antonio Brown, Kamara, Barkley, DeAndre Hopkins, Gordon, Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt, and Leonard Fournette at number 12. Looking at all those picks, this should come as no surprise to you. When I ranked my running backs, I loved Leonard Fournette. The fact that you can get Leonard Fournette at the end of round one, he is the RB9 right now. The ninth running back taken in those first 12 picks is insane. I don't know how you pick him behind Kareem Hunt. I don't know how you pick him behind Saquon Barkley. I understand Kamara with the PPR format, but you win fantasy football with touchdowns. We've talked about this, and Fournette is automatic when it comes to that. Looking at his game log last season, week one touchdown, week two touchdown, three and four touchdowns as well. Week five, he had two touchdowns against Pittsburgh, week six touchdown. Just was absolutely unstoppable to start the season and automatic. And then when he came back, After the injury, and listen, there's that injury bug that's always there. He had an ankle sprain last year, which he's had, I think, four ankle sprains in the last couple of years going back to college. So that's certainly a consideration. He had a quad strain in week 14. But if you look at the last three weeks there, 13, 14, he didn't play 15 and 16. He got a touchdown in each one of those weeks. And he was the RB 14, 11, and 15 in PPR. He is more active in the passing game than people realize because there really are very limited options in Jacksonville. Sure, they have the myriad of, as I heard JP Shadrick on the road of his RV 32 series say, a bunch of wide receiver twos, but he is active in the receiving game as well. In those last few games, Starting in week 12, he had three catches, three targets, then three catches, four targets, then four catches, six targets, then three catches on three targets in a week 17, which doesn't matter a lot of times, four catches on five targets. He's active in the receiving game a lot more than you realize. He was certainly active in LSU. I think he's an incredible value. The only thing I'm worried about with Leonard Fournette is, of course, those injuries. But Jacksonville is built to run. They brought over Andrew Norwell from Carolina, free agent guard. He's 26 years old. He's young. He paved the way over in Carolina, did a very nice job there, so he makes that Jacksonville running game work even better. And of course, you know that I'm going to recommend, if you draft Fournette, handcuffing him with backup running backs. The backup running back to handcuff him with is not TJ Yeldon. It is not. I listened to J.P. Shadrick say, I didn't know this, shockingly, Corey Grant is the number, I think, nine running back in terms of salary this year in the NFL. Corey Grant from Auburn, 26 years old, 5'11", 205 pounds. He's making $2.9 million this year. They obviously like him and they want to get him on the field. So if you have Fournette and you're worried about an injury knocking him out, Jags put a second round tender on Corey Grant. They really like him and they're bringing him back. I would handcuff him late just to have him on the bench there to see how Fournette does to start the season and make sure you don't get blitzed from the start of the year. Next value in round two. Now in round two, where you're going from picks 13 to 24, you see a good amount of wide receivers, decent amount of running backs. But the one that jumps out at me, the back end people there, AJ Green is there who I like, Jarek McKinnon, of course, 
Gronkowski, you know my thoughts on him, Mike Evans, Joe Mixon. But the one that I'm going to focus on here is Devontae Adams. You know, Scott and I have gone back and forth on Devontae Adams, and, and, and he threw me off a little bit when he talked about who they're going to face. They have the Vikings, they have the Redskins with Josh Norman, Lions, Rams, of course, Patriots. He has a tough schedule. But folks, if we're not banking and, and betting on Aaron Rodgers here, what are we doing? He's turned Jordy Nelson into a wide receiver one, I believe, one year, and maybe wide receiver two another year. And Jordy Nelson isn't exactly, he's got solid hands, but he's not super fast. In fact, Jordy Nelson profiles very similarly to Devontae Adams. Jordy Nelson was a second round pick. He went to Kansas State. Devontae Adams was a second round pick. He went to Fresno State. Jordy Nelson, 6'3", 217. Devontae Adams, 6'2", 212. Jordy Nelson, not fast, 4'5", 140. Devontae Adams, 4'5", 640. The point is that Aaron Rodgers has the ability to make wide receivers better than their talent is. Adams on player profiler has a great burst score. He has a great catch radius with the long arms. And I was curious on his separation, but he's got actually very good burst. He's a lot better burst than Jordy Nelson does. And that's why last year he had 1.8 yards per separation on average on every single target. That was 22nd among all wide receivers. And that was not with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers can throw you open. You hear the phrase all the time. I like Devontae Adams. I know what Scott's going to say. Right now, Adams is going there as the wide receiver seven. The reason I like him is because you can get him right in the middle of the draft. If you want in that set, right in the middle of that second round. So if you wanted to start with a DeAndre Hopkins and a PPR or Alvin Kamara, you can come back with him in the second round. I think Devontae Adams could be a top five wide receiver. The reason I'm saying he's the best value is I think he has the safest floor there. You look at players like Devonta Freeman, who could, of course, there's an injury situation in Tevin Coleman's presence. We talk about Keenan Allen, who finally had a great season last year, but that injury bug is certainly bothering him. Michael Thomas doesn't get a ton of touchdowns. Julio Jones, we've talked about that. Dalvin Cook may not get the ball in the goal line. Jarek McKinnon, we haven't seen it for a full, full year. So if you talk about safe, I really like Adams in that spot. You can get him in the middle of round two. I think that's a perfect spot for him. And I would love to have him as my wide receiver one. Provided that Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, there is absolutely no way on God's green earth that Devontae Adams is not a wide receiver one. I don't care about the the cornerbacks he's going against. I think he's a solid play. I've totally turned around on him. He's my best value in round two. Round three, we're staying with the wide receiver connection. You have your Jordan Howards in round three. Josh Gordon is there. Some people like him. Tyreek Hill, you know my thoughts. Safest player for me in round three, and I do not think his ADP will stay here much longer, is T.Y. Hilton. He's right now available at the 3.04. He's wide receiver 12. That's barely a wide receiver one. Again, assuming Andrew Luck is healthy in that division. I know Jacksonville's there, but outside of that, it's not that hard. And T.Y. Hilton at home burns everybody. With Andrew Luck back, and listen, without looking, can you name their second best wide receiver? Exactly. He's going to get force-fed the targets. You follow the targets with Luck back, his ADP is going to rise. There's no way he should be drafted behind players like Adam Thielen and Mike Evans. T.Y. Hilton, round three, best value for me. 
Round four, this will be no surprise. It's Amari Cooper. I just don't get it. I, I, How many times do we have to talk about how John Gruden made Michael Clayton a wide receiver one? How many times do we have to talk about Antonio Bryant without people going, who's Antonio Bryant? If you're Oakland, you have a healthy Derek Carr. He is two years not even removed from his 32 touchdown and I think 13 or 14 game season. We're talking about him being an MVP candidate. If he gets back to that level, Amari Cooper's getting the ball. Jordy Nelson will get a couple looks. Martavis Bryant's going to get suspended. We talked about that. Jared Cook is Jared Cook. Cooper is the man. If they're going to win, he's going to get the ball. That's what Gruden does. It's what he's done every year of his career when he was head coach. I know he has been coaching for a while, but Amari Cooper right now going at the 4.03, which is wide receiver 17. That is larceny. Larceny. But he's as high a floor wide receiver one as you're going to find. I don't see a way that he falls below like a wide receiver 11 or 12 overall. He's getting at wide receiver 17. There's your value. He's incredible. Round five is tricky because you're talking about picks 49 to 60. And this is a very speculative round, round five. When you get ready for your drafts, Get Be careful with round five because this is going to make or break you. Just looking at the fantasy football calculator, it's Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Cooks, we talked about him, Sony Michelle, Mark Ingram, Royce Freeman, Jimmy Graham, Lamar Miller, Ronald Jones, Jarvis Landry, Chris Hogan, Greg Olson, Deion Lewis. I was tempted to go Chris Hogan here. I really was. But I'm going to go with Lamar Miller. You're getting a running back one in the fifth round of a PPR draft format. And with Deshaun Watson there, Lamar Miller, and I think I put this up on Twitter, has been like three or four PPR points better. Running quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks, open running lanes. I don't think Lamar Miller is very good. I really don't care. We don't draft players that we think are good. We draft players that we think are going to score fantasy points. And Lamar Miller there being drafted behind Mark Ingram, who's out for four games, behind Sony Michelle, behind in the round before Kenyon Drake, Rashad Penny, Alex Collins, who did it for one year. I'll take Lamar Miller. I know he was decent in Miami. He was decent in Houston. He was okay, but not great. He's not spectacular. But Lamar Miller could be very, very dangerous, and he can catch some passes out of the backfield. So in my opinion, at the 506, Lamar Miller, who's going as the RB26, Lamar Miller, is going outside RB2. That means, according to ADP, the fantasy drafters are saying that Lamar Miller will not be an RB2 this year. Folks, that's impossible. It's impossible unless Lamar Miller gets hurt. If he's there, Dante Foreman's out. He could be out for the first six games with the Achilles he's recovering from. There's no way. He's going to produce just because Watson is electric. They have Hopkins. The offensive line's okay. There's no way he's an RB26. That is the best value there in round five. Round six, I'm going to go with Michael Crabtree. Crabtree going at the wide receiver 28 right now. He's going behind Corey Davis, who's done nothing. Marvin Jones, who's going to have multiple competition for targets with Golden Tate and Kenny Galladay. Jarvis Landry, who's now on a new team. Brandon Cooks, we talked about. Crabtree's going to get the ball. He's the safe play. Luke Jones told me that from WNST.net on the Rotoviz 32 preview series. When you're in round six, if you can get yourself a guaranteed 120 targets, you grab it and you run with it. Michael Crabtree in the sixth round, sitting right there between Tom Brady and Evan Ingram and Tariq Cohen. Again, the satellite backs in the mid rounds. I just don't buy. He's the safest play for me at the 606 pick overall 66. Round seven, no surprise here. It's Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead now is at the 707. He's rising a little bit, but he's still around the Marshawn Lynch, Emmanuel Sanders, Jamison Crowder area. He's an RB34, 35. Forget it. 
He's the goal line guy. Do not be scared off of New England running backs. If you attack the New England running backs and you take a chance, you could be rewarded handsomely. Remember Corey Dillon. Remember LeGarrette Blunt. Remember Stephen Ridley's one year. I'm taking a chance. They're not giving the ball to a rookie at the goal line. I'm not intimidated by Jeremy Hill. And even in some crazy world, if Jeremy Hill got goal line carries, Rex Burkhead in a PPR format is going to get enough passes that he's going to more than justify that. Talk about your satellite back. You can have your Tariq Cohen's all you want. I'll take Rex Burkhead, who's with a Hall of Fame quarterback in a better offense and maybe the goal line back, which I think he's going to be, but he may, let's say he's not. He still had more targets last year in 10 games than Deion Lewis had in 16. Rex Burkhead, round seven, best value. Round eight is a tough area, similar to round five that we talked about. I'm going to go here with Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup right now is the wide receiver, 37. He's smack dab in the middle of round eight, the 806 pick. And the main reason I like Cooper Cup is the red zone targets. Last year, he was third among all wide receivers with 13 red zone receptions. He did have the five touchdowns. But he got 23 targets in the red zone, which was top 10 among all wide receivers. Now he has Brandon Cooks, who's going to clear the field and fly down the sideline. And they'll take one or two shots at him out of game just to open up the middle. He likes Cooper Cup in the middle. There is no tight end of consequence on the Rams. I like Goff with his short to intermediate routes. McVay does a nice job. Cooper Cup in the red zone at this value, which is basically saying that he is not a wide receiver three. He's being drafted as wide receiver 37, meaning he's not a wide receiver three. And last year, he was third among all wide receivers in red zone receptions. If that doesn't scream value, I don't know what does. Cooper Cup in round eight. Two left, round nine. Again, difficult here. I started looking at some quarterbacks. I was going to go with Jimmy G around this area. Matt Ryan's down there, which is very tempting. I'm going to go with Ty Montgomery. If you can figure out the lead running back who's going to get the majority of the touches in Indianapolis or Green Bay, then you should absolutely go zero RB. Because Ty Montgomery last year, for the first two weeks, was something like the RB7 and RB2. He then had fractured ribs in the first play of week four and was never the same. They trust him. He's very active in the passing game. Randall Cobb's out of the boot, and I'm very happy about that. But even if there's an injury there, Devontae Adams has a slow start. Randall Cobb gets hurt again. He's certainly a much safer option than Geronimo Allison. Jamon Moore has been doing some nice things as a rookie. Equinemius St. Brown will not play special teams, so I don't think he's an issue. I'm going to go with Ty Montgomery. I'm going to go him on the intermediate routes. I know they said they're going to play Jimmy Graham outside, which I like. But I think Monty is the safe play. He's the veteran. He's had experience. He's had success. Jamal Williams had a couple games there. Aaron Jones is suspended for two games. And if we're looking in round nine, we're looking for somebody who obviously has some warts. Because if they didn't have warts, they would be going a lot earlier. 9.05 pick, RB43. He's an absolute lock for an RB2 or better if he plays all 16 games. And you see how that backfield shakes out. But I think if you have Ty Monty in round nine, you're going to be able to start him in many, many weeks. You have to protect Aaron Rodgers and they trust Ty Montgomery. And even if they play Jamal Williams a lot more than I think they're going to, you can put Ty Montgomery out there and PPR should be safe for at least six receptions. As a running back, you'll take that any day of the week. And the last one I'm going with, I'm going to go with a tight end. I'm going to go with George Kittle as my round 10 best value. Right now, he's going at ADP 111, 10.01. He's going as the 11th tight end off the board. He's going after Jordan Reed. Just think about that for a second. And Trey Burton, who really just showed us two games. 
The reason I like George Kittle is I believe in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Listen, they won five games with Jimmy Garoppolo as starting quarterback. They don't have a tremendous lineup of wide receivers there. Pierre Garçon coming off an injury, Marquise Goodwin. Kittle is proving to be a solid, athletic, red zone target guy. And as I heard from Phil Alexander from Football Guys on the Roto Underworld podcast, listen to this. George Kittle actually had the 10th best, I think it was 10th, 10th best rookie tight end performance since the turn of the century. Now, if you're careful with this, Evan Ingram was number two. But George Kittle is somebody they want to get involved. He's very athletic, fifth round pick out of Iowa. He's got 4.52 speed. He's 6'4", 247 pounds. Great burst, agility. Actually had nine red zone receptions last year in only in the 15 games. Didn't really play that much either. That was six among all tight ends. He had 16 targets in the red zone overall. He's a great safety valve for Garoppolo. He needs to have wide receivers step up. Kittle is going to play. He's going to have to block for Jarek McKinnon as well. You're going to need somebody who can block and then also get off the line and make catches. He's the perfect target. I like the late round tight end and getting George Kittle. If I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo, and I do, and I believe Kyle Shanahan's going to throw the ball a lot, and I do, and I believe that San Francisco's last year winning five games in a row, including one over Jacksonville, was pretty impressive, and I do, I think George Kittle is the guy you have to target there in round 10. So those are my values. Fantasy Football Calculator, thank you. First 10 rounds, 1 through 10, the best value in each round by ADP. And third quarter coming in, I thought we'd take a look in the third quarter at a few teams, a few deep dives, if you will, that I think the mainstream fantasy community are missing the boat on. So these are teams that I sort of broke down, took a close look at all the offensive fantasy weapons, and I've come up with some different conclusions than I think a lot of the fantasy gamers are. First team I want to start with is the Seattle Seahawks. Here are some things that I put together, just researching different sites, history, stats, etc., that I think you should pay attention to before you enter your redraft season. Number one, do you know last year the Seahawks only totaled four rushing touchdowns? Three of those came from Russell Wilson, one-yard run, two-yard run, and a 23-yard run. And the other one was a 30-yard run from J.D. McKissick. That is it. Only four rushing touchdowns last year in Seattle. Now, they drafted San Diego State running back Rashad Penny, right, with the 27th overall pick. And in college, Rashad Penny, as per player profiler, had a 10.3% 72nd percentile college target share and a 50.1% 98th percentile college dominator rating. What that means is he was explosive as a runner and a receiver at San Diego State. So certainly he profiles as a three down back, even though we're hearing that Chris Carson is going to start training camp as the lead back. Last year, their offensive line was dead last in run blocking efficiency. That was 32nd in the league. Now, they got tackled Dwayne Brown midseason from Houston, and they signed guard DJ Fluker from the Giants. They also then drafted Ohio State tackle Jamarco Jones in the fifth round of the draft. So they did a lot to try to upgrade the offensive line. They fired Tom Cable as the offensive line coach, and they hired the Giants' former offensive line coach, Mike Solari. Mike Solari has been an offensive line coach for five teams in his 19 seasons, and a Solari-coached offensive line has actually finished as a top-10 run-blocking unit 10 separate times and a top five unit eight times. So again, in the 19 years that Mike Solari has been an offensive line coach, 10 times 
the group he's coached has been a top 10 run blocking unit, and eight times it's been a top five unit. The Seattle defense ranked outside last year, the top 12 in points allowed for the first time since Pete Carroll became head coach in 2010. Their ranking starting in 2010 during the Pete Carroll era on defense, points allowed, eighth, seventh, first, 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 third, and 13th. They were 25th in 2009 when Jim Moore Jr. was there. Now let's flip to the quarterback. Russell Wilson led the entire NFL with 34 passing touchdowns last year. Most of your people off the street, your fantasy gamers, would not realize that it was Russell Wilson. He was the number one ranked fantasy quarterback last year in total points. He has finished as a top three quarterback in total fantasy points three times in the last four years. Although he's done it very streaky, he's had dead time, dead games, like a five-game period where he does nothing, and then he goes bonkers usually at the end of the season. The Seahawks added 34-year-old Brandon Marshall, Jerron Brown, who has 86 career receptions, and a 31-year-old Ed Dixon in the offseason. Not exactly big-time wide receiver, tight end talent. And the reason that's an issue is because they lost Paul Richardson, Jimmy Graham, and Luke Wilson a free agency, and that vacated 200 targets, 116 receptions, and 20 receiving touchdowns. Here are my thoughts on the Seahawks. Number one, there is no way on God's green earth that they will be a good defensive team this year. None. They've lost way too many guys. So they are not going to be stopping people as they normally do. And because of that, if Russell Wilson was a top-ranked quarterback when they had a good defense, how is he not going to be a top-ranked fantasy quarterback when they don't have a good defense and have to score more? As for the run game, whether it's Penny or it's Carson, I do expect Seattle have a better run-blocking offensive line. I think Mike Solari knows what he's doing. I think coaches can make marginal differences with teams, and it certainly seems like he can do a decent job. And he brought over DJ Fluker from the Giants, so he must like him a lot. Now let's look at the receiving options. How you don't draft Doug Baldwin in seasonal drafts, if you have the opportunity in the late second round, early third, is absolutely beyond me. He could lead the league in targets. He could lead the league in receptions because Russell Wilson is going to have to throw the ball. And the only other options I see, maybe Jerron Brown will be okay. He's never really had a chance to pop. Maybe Brandon Marshall will get, you know, I don't know, five touchdowns in the red zone if he even makes the team. The guy I think you watch out for is Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett at Kansas State was dominant. He did it all at Kansas State. Ran, reverses, caught balls, punt returns, kick returns. He's a football player. 5'10", 182. He's got the superior speed. You look at Tyler Lockett, and I know my partner Scott was a fan of Tyler Lockett years ago. He's a guy who everyone thought would break out, and he never did. But I want to remind you that during Tyler Lockett's rookie season, the last seven games of his 2015 season, he had 30 receptions, 404 yards, and five receiving touchdowns. Those were those last seven games of 2015. They were also the games that Russell Wilson went nuts. Now, the only thing you're concerned about here is Brian Schottenheimer tends to be a very conservative offensive coach. I believe that stat is out there. He's never had a wide receiver one in all his offensive coordinator years, but this is a unique situation. He has a mobile quarterback who can certainly run. Doug Baldwin is going to be targeted. I know he lost Graham. Tyler Lockett is available in the very late rounds, round 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there are your leagues. 
And I don't see a way that he doesn't get those targets. Paul Richardson had a nice run last year. He produced a wide receiver four week in week eight with six receptions, 105 yards and two touchdowns. That came off a wide receiver 17 week against the Giants, two receptions, 61 yards, one touchdown. He certainly was very feast or famine. Tyler Lockett is not that. I see a lot of short plays for Lockett, some reverses, going to be like a Tavon Austin-like player for the Seahawks accept even more intense because they need another receiver and they just don't have one. I'm not a Mara Darbo guy. Maybe he'll catch a couple balls here and there, but they don't have the reliability of Graham. Baldwin's going to get a huge uptick. And I like Tyler Lockett as well. Rashard Penny's going to be involved. CJ Procise is still there, but all this adds up to Russell Wilson again having an incredible season. When they've taken the shackles off and he's had to throw the ball, he's done so very, very well. And even though the Seahawks defense overall in terms of total points allowed has still been solid until last year, Russell Wilson has always scored. In those games where the the Seahawks defense has given up a lot of points, which happens from time to time, he matches them. He's a great quarterback and he's a great fantasy option right now. And that's my look at the Seahawks. I just think that they're actually going to be better at running than you think. Doug Baldwin's a target machine. I like Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson is the best. Next team I'm a little different on that I want to talk about are the Kansas City Chiefs. And I've touched on this a little bit. Here are some facts on the Chiefs that I've gotten over the last few months doing some research. Alex Smith was the QB4 last year. Kareem Hunt led the NFL in rushing yards, and he was the PPR RB4. And Tyree Kale had a huge breakout season and was the PPR wide receiver 9. In addition, Travis Kelsey was the overall PPR tight end 1. That's incredible fantasy production. That cannot be repeated in this offense. Pat Mahomes is now starting. Everybody loves his 78-yard throw at his pro day. But last year, Alex Smith was actually six among all quarterbacks with 68 deep ball attempts, and he was second on deep ball completion percentage at 48.5%. Translation, there is no way that Mahomes can be better than Alex Smith was last year at throwing the deep ball, despite his much stronger arm. I took a look at the combined averages of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and and Andrew Luck's first full years as starters. This is what I got. 59% completion percentage. 3,748 passing yards, 23.7 touchdowns, and 17.8 interceptions. Those numbers, if repeated by Patrick Mahomes, translate to a QB 12. That means he is the last spot of a QB 1. The last spot. And that's four Hall of Famers there, assuming Andrew Luck plays a few more years. I don't think Pat Mahomes comes close to that. Tyreek Hill finished as the PPR wide receiver nine last year. He had 75 receptions, 1,183 receiving yards, and seven total touchdowns. Do you want to know how he scored? He didn't score a touchdown, folks, within 30 yards. He scored on pass plays of 79, 75, 64, 64, 56, 40, and 30 yards. Nothing in the red zone, no short touchdowns. The other two top receivers on the Chiefs last year were were Albert Wilson with 42 receptions and Demarcus Robinson with 21. Wilson is now gone. They signed Sammy Watkins as a free agent. In his last two seasons that he has played 13 games, Watson has 17 total receiving touchdowns, meaning he scores when he plays. We heard the reports are lining up Watkins all over the place. As a rookie, Kareem Hunt had 53 receptions, 453 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. You would think... With a quarterback that likes to throw the ball and one who could possibly be turning it over a lot because that's what all rookies do, including the four great quarterbacks I just read off, you would think that he would be again a well-targeted option in the short to intermediate routes. 
So I like Kareem Hunt this year. Travis Kelsey is the top receiving target in the Chiefs passing game. He had a 24.7 target share last year that was first among all tight ends. He was also first with 83 receptions and first with 408 yards after the catch. What does this mean for the Chiefs? I don't see any way that Mahomes matches the efficiency of Alex Smith. So because of that, I will not be having any exposure to to Patrick Mahomes. I think he'll have the first typical variance of first-year quarterbacks. I think Tyreek Hill's really going to suffer. I think Watkins will probably outperform his ADP. Right now in PPR formats, Watkins is the wide receiver 29, and I really like Kareem Hunt. I don't like Kareem Hunt at the goal line. I think they're a little bit worried about Kareem Hunt. They brought in Damian Williams. They brought in some other backs. They got Spencer Ware coming back. But I think his receptions are going to keep his floor very, very high. He had some big production as well, some massively long runs. Remember, his most 50-yard touchdown runs in, in tied for a rookie's history. But I think you need to cool on Patrick Mahomes. People are in love with the guy. They're in love because of the Andy Reid ability to, to generate offense. And they're in love with the weapons. Why wouldn't you? I read it to you before. You had the number one tight end, you had the number four running back, and the number nine wide receiver, and they're all back, and they added Sammy Watkins. But I don't think it's that easy. I think he's going to have some bumps. I don't want Patrick Mahomes. I don't want Tyreek Hill. I will take Kareem Hunt, especially at the end of round one, early round two. And Travis Kelsey, of course, I think is pretty solid, but his numbers probably regress a little bit, given that was a super efficient season. And the last team I'll talk about is the Atlanta Falcons. 2016 season for Matt Ryan was a career season, right? He was second in passing yards, 4,944, almost 5,000 passing yards, and had 38 passing touchdowns. Last year, however, he barely broke 4,000, so he almost had a 20% decrease, which was his lowest total since 2010, and only threw 20 touchdown passes, which were the lowest since his rookie year in 2008. However, it was the first year with Steve Sarkeesian, and there were a lot of bumps on the offense. Didn't have Kyle Shanahan more. He had Sarkeesian, and there's an adjustment because he wasn't great the first year with Shanahan either. Wide receiver Julio Jones has over 1,400 receiving yards in each of his last four seasons. His four-year total is 6,317 receiving yards. Just to let you know how that compares, Antonio Brown's four-year total, 6,349. So that represents 32 more yards than Julio Jones over the last four years. Very impressive. Over those same four years, however, Jones only has 23 receiving touchdowns. Check this out. Over the last four years, Antonio Brown, 44 touchdowns, almost double. Odell Beckham, despite missing almost the entire season last year, 38 touchdowns. Mike Evans, who you know I don't like, 32. And Devontae Adams, even, in three years with 26. Let's go to the tight end. Austin Hooper is entering his third NFL season. He raised his reception total last year by 30 and his receiving yardage by 255. Yet if you asked most fantasy gamers, they would say Austin Hooper was a disappointment despite he had despite having 30 more receptions and 255 more receiving yards. This one's curious. If you started Devonta Freeman in all the weeks he was healthy, which was weeks 1 to 10 and 13 to 17, and then when he was out, if you started Coleman in weeks 11 and 12, you would have received the following combined fantasy production from that position. So you start Freeman every week he's healthy, and then you start Coleman the two weeks that he's out. 37 receptions, 1,337 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Folks, that's an RB8 production. RB8. We'll get to why that matters in a minute. There was also five times in the 2016 season that both Freeman and Coleman produced RB2 or better weeks in the same game. Now, I know that was with Shanahan and it wasn't with Sarkisian, 
but they can both coexist if you have a matchup that is juicy. Here are the ADPs. Currently, Matt Ryan's the QB11. Devontae Freeman is the RB11. That's the second round. Tevin Coleman is the RB30. Julio Jones, wide receiver four. Austin Hooper, tight end 20. Here's my thoughts. There's a lot of fantasy value in that offense. The Atlanta Falcons certainly moved the ball last year. They just struggled in the red zone. Matt Ryan is a QB 11, is a great pick. I do not think that he's going to have 20 touchdowns again. Certainly, I see some positive regression there. And if you can navigate selecting Devonta Freeman in round two of your redraft leagues and then coming back and taking Tevin Coleman in round five or six, you have guaranteed yourself an RB1. Guaranteed. Now, I know some people don't like burning around five or round six pick on Tevin Coleman. I understand the rationale. But how can you tell me when I just, I can guarantee it for you. I can't guarantee it with any other player because Zeke Kelly could get hurt, Le'Veon Bell, who knows, DJ, the whole thing. But I can guarantee, assuming that one of them is healthy every single week with that offensive line, that you're getting RB1 production. So it's the perfect place to do team backfield drafting. And I love doing team backfield drafting. And I know Coleman's price tag is getting up there. But if people are sleeping on him in your league and you can grab both of these, I will easily hold the spot. I don't care about my bench spot because I'd much rather be guaranteed having RB1 production. Think about this. Think about if you picked in the mid to late part of round one and you took a Melvin Gordon, you took a Leonard Fournette, you took a Kareem Hunt, and then you were able to come back with Devontae Freeman in round two, load up with three consecutive wide receivers and take Tevin Coleman in round six. Barring any major injury, what you have just done is gotten yourself three really solid wide receiver two or even better receivers and a stud first round running back in Kareem Hunt or Melvin Gordon and have guaranteed yourself with the handcuff the Atlanta Falcons backfield. That is how you do it in redraft, folks. And that's my thoughts on those three key teams, Atlanta, Kansas City, and Seattle. Three teams that I don't think people are looking at the right way that you could find some sneaky value. And the last thing we'll do here in the fourth quarter is we'll take some listener questions. We have them on Twitter. Remember, make sure you follow the show at PUT Blitz, myself at Randall Rant, and my partner at SCOT557, and hit us up with some questions. We read them on the pod. I asked for some today, and I got a bunch of responses here, so I just picked out the best ones. And I'm going to start with my first question is from somebody I met down the shore, down the Jersey Shore. Great guy. His name was Brian. Great family, kids hung out, played the whole weekend, and he just kept talking to me. We talked about how I had a podcast, and he said he's going to follow, which was great, and he just kept getting into the Chargers. Told me he was a Cowboy fan, so we're going to call him Brian from Surf City, okay? That's what we're going to call. I didn't get his Twitter handle, but certainly it was a great conversation, really nice guy. Talked about the Chargers. Even though he's a Cowboy fan, he said he's guaranteeing me that the Chargers are going to make the Super Bowl. And he said, listen, if you get a chance, why don't you mention and give me your thoughts on the Chargers' offense and defense and their Super Bowl chances. And I'll start with that. Listen, the Chargers should have been in the playoffs last year. They have a very solid defense with Bosa and Ingram. The secondary is super strong. They have Verrett. They have Hayward. And then they go out there and get Derwin James in the first round, safety from Florida State. So they are solid. And then... To top it all off, they go get a great satellite back there in Justin Jackson from Northwestern. So I think they're going to be good. I think Chargers are going to be very good. The coaching staff was a little spotty last year. Hopefully they learned. Very predictable handoffs to Melvin Gordon early in drives, which were stuffed, which is why his yards per carry still have not been good. 
But their schedule shapes up nicely. They have Anthony Lynn, his second year as coach. He's got Ken Wisenhunt and Gus Bradley on defense. So that should be a solid coaching staff. And the way it shapes up, their schedule goes home Kansas City. Then they go at Buffalo. Certainly should be winnable. They have the Rams away, then San Francisco home, then Oakland home, then Cleveland away, which shouldn't be horrific. Tennessee home, then the bye week eight right in the middle, which is nice. Then they go to Seattle. They go to Oakland. They have Denver at home. They host Arizona. They are away at Pittsburgh. That will be difficult in week 13. Home Cincinnati at Kansas City. Home Baltimore. So Baltimore has to come to them. And then away at Denver. That is a reasonable schedule. I think they certainly should win the AFC West. And the Hunter Henry injury hurts them. I think Virgil Green is a very athletic big who could pop late. They're going to need him to have like a Gary Barnage-like impact there. You know, he hits the age of 30. He's a 4'6'4 four, four guy, 6'3", 249 pounds. And I could absolutely see Antonio coming back to give Philip Rivers a nice red zone target. So they should be very good. They should be much improved. They should have been in the playoffs last year, but they made some very sketchy play calls. So to start it off with a great secondary, really good pass rush to the team that went into New England and gave them all they can handle in late October. I like the Chargers a lot, and I certainly think they are a team that can come out. If you told me that the Patriots didn't make the Super Bowl from the AFC, I think Pittsburgh, I think the Chargers, gosh, maybe a dark horse like a Tennessee. I don't know. Those are my only choices. So I think the Chargers are certainly a handful of teams that can represent the AFC. So that's my answer for Brian, my friend, down from Surf City at the Jersey Shore. Next question I get is from Joe Diazdas, if I'm saying that right, that's at D-Z-I-A-D-O-S-Z, Joe on Twitter. He said, what is the latest you will draft your first QB or tight end in a PPR redraft? Say that you're starting one QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, one flex, defense kicker, and nine on the bench. Joe, great question. If you only start one QB and one tight end and one flex, I'll wait so long that I'm going to tick people off in the draft. I'm just not going early. There's no point. It's PPR number one. The quarterback position has never been as deep as it's been. I would say this, in that format with only one flex and you can't super flex, if you're not the at least the second to last person to take a quarterback, I'd be the last, but the second to last one to break the seal on the quarterback, you're doing something wrong. Because you, you remember, people go nuts with the QBs. Aaron Rodgers is the best QB in football. Absolutely. I get it. That doesn't mean that he throws for three touchdowns every week. There are plenty of weeks in there where he throws for one touchdown and one interception or two touchdowns, one interception. And in those weeks, there are other quarterbacks where you can play the matchups a lot better. There is no reason why if Aaron Rodgers is on the road, tough road game, let's say, at a char- at the Chargers, at New Orleans, something like that against a tough team with a solid defense, there's no reason you can't start Joe Flacco at home. That's what I'm talking about. So in that format, if you're not doing Superflex, I would not draft a QB early, and I certainly would wait on a tight end as well. Scott and I have talked about the big three, Gronkowski, Ertz, Kelsey, fine. If you want to take one of those, by all means, go ahead, but I'd much rather grab one. I could see taking a tight end, maybe around five or six, if you're really into Greg Olson and you like him a lot, let's say, but I am not a fan of drafting players for one starter positions, your QB, your tight end early. I'm just not because if you bonk on it, it's a killer. First of all, you're only starting one. So if you bonk on it, it really hurts your other positions. Number two, the majority of your fantasy points every year come from your first three picks. It's proven out. So I would wait until, gosh, as long as possible. Next up, friend of the podcast, Shreekanth at Shree, S-R-E-E-K-A-N-T-H-R-E-D-D-Y-N. 
Which running back do you value from each of the following teams? Tennessee, Cleveland, Green Bay, and New England. Very simple, Shrikant. Thank you for the question. If you've been listening, you probably know these answers already. Tennessee, it's Derrick Henry. I think he's one of a handful of running backs that can get 10 rushing touchdowns, get double-digit rushing touchdowns this year. So I'm a Derrick Henry guy. In Cleveland, this is a tough one. You know, I I do like the goal line back, so I'm going to say Carlos Hyde. Scott's a big Duke Johnson guy, and I like Duke Johnson. I do. I just don't know with Nick Chubb there and Jarvis Landry, who's going to get short to intermediate routes, and David Njoku to take a step, step forward. There's a lot of guys in that short to intermediate route area, so I'll shy away from Duke Johnson. I'll go with the veteran Carlos Hyde. I could see them having Chubb sit for a little bit, and I think Hyde is actually undervalued. You could get him at a decent price right now. Carlos Hyde is getting no buzz right now. He is RB37, not even an RB3. RB37, and he could very well be their game one starting running back. He's going three spots ahead of Duke Johnson, and he's going five spots ahead of Nick Chubb. So basically, this is telling you that the fantasy community doesn't have any idea what to do with the Cleveland backfield either. So I'm going to stay with the veteran. I'm going to stay with the one who's produced. I'll go with Carlos Hyde. Green Bay backfield, I mentioned it earlier. I like Ty Montgomery. I think he's the cheapest one. I'm certainly not taking Aaron Jones because he's suspended for two games, and I think you could get him on a value. If I have to make a move here and do a team backfield draft, I'm ignoring Jamal Williams. I will forget about him because Monty's the one I can get later, and I love the wide receiver option there as well with him. And Aaron Jones being suspended has dropped his value well past Jamal Williams, which means it's two games. He's the one that I'm hearing the rumblings that Aaron Rodgers and everybody else believes in. So it's possible when he comes back, they could move Monty to like an H-back role and put Jones back there. I'm not buying into Williams. So if I had to make a choice, I'll go Monty. And if I do a team backfield draft, I would take Aaron Jones to handcuff. And New England, you know the answer. Shrikanth, if you listened, it's sexy Rexy Burkhead. I got two more here. One from John Miller at John Miller NFL. How will players with unsustainable efficiency last year, let's say Alvin Kamara, Tyreek Hill, Juju, Chris Thompson, and Deshaun Watson do this year? Who is the most likely to repeat last year's production even with likely decreased efficiency? If Deshaun Watson is healthy for six games, he's going to be a solid QB1. I've seen enough to know that. The rushing ability, everything there, it's not a crazy division with the defenses. Jacksonville's great, of course, but the other two aren't. So I like him as well. I think Tyreek Hill is going to take a huge step back. I think Juju's solid. I like Juju. Antonio Brown's there. He's going to draw Simons. Martavis Bryant's gone. So Juju could be really solid as well. Chris Thompson's good, um, but I, Darius guys can catch passes, so I'm kind of off of him. Alvin Kamara, of course, I think is going to be great. So if you maybe put them in order, certainly I think Alvin Kamara is likely going to be an RB1, particularly with Mark Ingram not there. So I think his floor is higher. So even though he regresses, I think Kamara is still a solid pick. I really like Deshaun Watson. I'll put him too. I'll put Juju three right next to Watson. And after that, Chris Thompson and a huge fall off to the, who I like the least, and that's Tyreek Hill. And our last question from Footsteps Falco at Fab Falco. Who are a couple players to buy before training camp hype raises their value? And same for any worth selling before their value decreases. I think people are missing the boat on Isaiah Crowell with the Jets. He can catch passes. He is a solid between the tackles runner. The Jets are going to have to have a ball control offense. So I think before people start realizing that Isaiah Crowell actually could be a multi-down back and can actually be a sneaky play for high single digits or even double-digit touchdowns, I think it's a guy that you definitely want to take attention, pay attention to. If Burkhead comes out of camp, I mentioned this before, and he's getting the goal line touches, people are going to go nuts and his, his value will skyrocket. Another running back I really like is Marlon Mack. Indianapolis upgraded their offensive line. They got two massively high-rated, high 
college lineman for that offensive line. Andrew Luck is back now, which spreads the offense. I know people like Jordan Wilkins. Naheem Hines is a scat back. Now you have Bob Turbin suspended. I think Marlon Mack's getting the goal line touches. And I think Marlon Mack coming off the surgery... He's a full go now for training camp. Is going to be a guy who's going to rapidly rise up the up the draft boards as well. Tight ends, I mentioned it earlier, George Kittle. I think you have to look at Kittle. He's going to be a great target. He could be the preferred red zone option. Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon are not great red zone options in their career. So that's a guy I think you have to really look at as well. I think there's value in the Denver receiving tandem. Case Keenum certainly look to the slot a lot last year with Adam Thielen. Are we sure Adam Thielen is really that good? Or did Case Keenum just really lock in with him and make a connection? Emmanuel Sanders is a guy who's going in round seven. And Demarius Thomas is going in round four. For three rounds later, I will take Sanders over Thomas every single day of the week with the value. So I think that's somebody who, as he gets healthy, as Case Keenan performs in camp, he could start sneaking up there. The fact that Emmanuel Sanders is behind Will Fuller, who basically had four or five really good games with Deshaun Watson. Emmanuel Sanders is behind Julian Edelman, who's well over 30 and is going to miss four games. Sammy Watkins, who's not the first target. Corey Davis, who has done nothing. Marvin Jones, who's going to be affected by Kenny Galladay. That's another guy there I like in Emmanuel Sanders. So there you go, folks. Our four quarters there took you right through from start to finish. Please follow the podcast at PUT Blitz. Myself at Randall Rant, Scott at SCOT557. We are on Facebook. If you like us, please go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating interview. We really, really appreciate it. It does so much for us. It only takes a couple minutes. But we're moving forward here. we got some great things coming up for you. Some surprises over the next few weeks. We're hitting the end of July. Scott, down there in the shore, don't get sunburned. Get back to me, buddy, so we can agree and argue. And folks, as you're listening to this podcast, we are in our Dynasty startup, and I have the second pick. Who do you think I'm going to take? Full point PPR. Send me a tweet. Let me know. We'll see you, folks. Pick it up. Pick it up.